Great to be with you. Before we begin our Torah study today, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Before we begin, I want to tell you where you can find all the scriptures that I plan to uh, share this weekend. They are at MessianicJewishTeachingsNow.com. That's a lot, isn't it? Or you can go to any of our Facebook pages, uh, my personal page or Beth Israel's congregational page on Facebook. You could also go to Messianic Jewish Teachings page on Facebook, and you'll see a link to all the scriptures so that you can follow them easily. And if you want to have a reference, and if you're not a fast writer and you want to take notes, uh, at least you have the scriptures there for you uh, to refer to. We're reading in the book of Exodus during these weeks, and Exodus teaches us about patterns of faith and redemption. And we learn about moral courage, we've been talking about that, that's the courage to do what's right even when it costs us, even when it puts us at risk. And the midwives in Egypt were a good example of women who had moral courage, who God used in a mighty way. And it said of them that they feared the Lord and because of that they did not do what Pharaoh ordered regarding uh, the death of the boys who were being born among the Jewish people who were there in Egypt. We learn also about the courage of faith, the courage to trust God when everything is at risk. And we learn that the fear of the Lord liberates us from other fears. This is really important. When, when, when we find ourselves in fearful situations, it's good to know that fear of the Lord will get you through the fear of the situation. If the fear of the situation is, is uh, allowed to run unbridled in your life, you will perhaps want to give up just because you're afraid and just because you're in a fearful situation. An interesting study for anyone who loves to do uh, word studies in the scripture is to look up uh, fear and to look in the scriptures for passages that say, do not be afraid or do not fear. And here's the scary thing, there are a lot of them. The reason there are so many is because God is constantly saying to his people, don't be afraid, why? Because I'm with you. Don't be afraid, I have a way through this. Don't be afraid, you're not alone. Don't be afraid, we're going to get where we're going. The fear of the Lord liberates us from other fears. We also learned about the nature of faith, that faith has an internal aspect and it has an outward aspect or an external aspect. In other words, faith involves and engages our hearts, our minds, our souls internally. We process the, the faith that we have on the inside, but Faith is also expressed outwardly through our actions. When our hearts are telling us trust the Lord 
and then we act in a way that is trusting to the Lord, then our faith really is being whole. It's really being complete. And we learn as well in Exodus that faith operates at the individual level, the family level, and the community level. And this is, this is very important. It's, it's so obvious when you hear it that you may have thought, yeah, but what does that matter? The reason it matters is it tells us some things about how to live. You see, we want to be individuals who have faith. We also want to be part of families who have faith. How many are praying for family members that they would be trusting the Lord and knowing the Lord? Yes. And there's, there's a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and contentment as our family members join us in the walk of faith. But there's also a community level of faith there's something that happens when the people of God together have faith in God. And we read in Exodus about how this has occurred and what it looks like. And it can be compared to what happens when the entire community has fear but not faith. So when we read about that, we learn about that. On the first Passover in Egypt, every individual decided to trust the Lord and to follow God's instruction. But it wasn't just individuals, it was families and households. Every family trusted the Lord. Every family made a decision, we're going to do what God said to do. And then amazingly enough, all the families together simultaneously. You know how big a miracle that is. It said of the Jewish people, where there are two Jews, there are three opinions. But can you imagine hundreds of thousands of Jewish people agreeing on one thing, what to do and when to do it? That's an amazing thing. I mean, in my family, we have difficulty agreeing on what to do for breakfast. If, if we hear everybody out, oh, this one wants this, this one wants that, or where to go, or what to do. It's a miracle, we shouldn't take it for granted. We also learned that Passover was a time of redemption and that redemption takes faithful obedience. Let's say that another way. To be redeemed, we need to obey God faithfully. It's not that we merit redemption this way, it's that God works this way. As an example, if you said to yourself, I don't really need a lamb on Passover, or I don't like the idea of putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of my house, that's messy. If you had that opinion, you would not have experienced the redemption of God. In the same way, if you say, I don't need the Lamb of God who takes away my sins now. You'll be outside of the redemption that God has for you. Because God's redemption is without exception the way that he says it will be done. We don't get to dictate to God and say, well, here's the plan. Do it like this. Faithful obedience. And so that meant at that first Passover that every person, every family, all the families together 
needed the blood of the lamb and they needed to apply it to the doorposts of their houses. Everyone was called to be faithful because God is faithful. And to be faithful means from our side that we do what God says. Sometimes it's good to have an opinion. Sometimes it's just good to do it. Everyone who's raised children has discovered you want your children to think for themselves, right? But not all the time. Sometimes you just want them to do what they need to do. Redemption also, we learn, requires a sacrifice, the blood of the lamb. All these details are part of the pattern of faith and redemption, and they all still apply today. Now, we all can be tempted to give in to fear instead of having faith in God. And the book of Exodus tells us about many times when fear and faith were battling for the hearts and the minds of the Jewish people. Actually, it's the same today. At the individual level, at the family level, and at the community level, it's still the same. There is always a battle between having trust in God and being fearful about our circumstances. But sometimes the fear is about trusting God. People are afraid. Jewish people are afraid to trust God because of the implications. If I trust God and I accept that Yeshua is the Messiah, what is that going to mean? Well, I want to tell you what it's going to mean. Redemption. That's what it's going to mean. Plus trouble. As long as you know the two go together, that redemption comes with trouble, but trouble comes with God's rescuing power. So you're not just stuck in trouble. God brings you through the trouble. Now, if you're one of those people who can't stand trouble, redemption's not for you. Instead, you're going to have more trouble than you could have imagined on the redemption side. Yeshua said, he put it this way, in this world, so check yourself, who's living currently in this world? Okay, in this world, you will have trouble. And then he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. What kind of guarantee is that? In this world, you will have trouble. You will. You will. So the mark, the mark of faith and the mark of righteousness before God is not that you are trouble-free, but rather that you trust God through your troubles. And as you're experiencing trouble, you know this, God is with you anyway. Now, if you want to be a man or a woman of faith, you will need courage and you'll need wisdom. The courage of faith and the wisdom of faith. And it's impossible, really, to walk with God without courage or to walk with God without wisdom. The particular courage that comes from faith and the particular wisdom that comes from faith. I want to review some scriptures that we read last week so we can take a look again at the foundation patterns for faith and for redemption. And we'll start with Exodus 12, verse 13. And remember the context, Israel has received instruction 
through Moses about what God is going to do and what each person and family must do in order to be rescued from the 10th plague. Already there have been nine plagues, and the next plague that is coming up, Israel has been warned, will be the death of the firstborn. And Israel can be rescued, but to be rescued, each person, each son and daughter of Israel has to decide, will they obey the instructions? Clear and simple. God gives some instruction here in Exodus 12, 13. The blood of the lamb, this is the lambs that are being offered and then they are being, the blood is put on the doorposts and then the lambs are roasted and each household is eating them together and they're staying inside to eat. No one's going out. It's not a time for frivolous fellowship. It's a time to really be quiet before the Lord, but to be active in trusting him. The blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I strike the land of Egypt, the death blow will not strike you. Another way of saying it is the plague will not touch you. That 10th plague when I strike Egypt. Now, 10 verses later, as we read last week, in Exodus 12, 23, there's a restatement of this that amplifies and clarifies. Let's read that. Exodus 12, 23. When the Lord passes through to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the two side posts, and he will pass over the door. That means he will come and like leap to that door and stand in front of that door. The word Pesach is a word that describes a lamb bouncing in a field. So he will be like that lamb, or you could compare it, as I said last week, to uh, the DC superhero, The Flash, who's here and then he's there, and then he's the next place. The Lord will see the blood on the top and the two side posts. He'll pass over the door and he will not allow. Say that with me. He will not allow. That's very important. He will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses and to strike you down. He won't permit it. He won't allow it. He will stand as a guard in front of the houses and he will not allow the destroyer to come in. The destroyer had been given free reign except for one thing. Whatever God stopped him from doing, he wasn't able to do. But God knew who was putting their trust in him. These were the ones who received the word and acted on the word and were waiting with expectation and trust and confidence that God would defend them. So the Lord will see the blood, he says, he won't permit he won't allow the destroyer to strike you down. Now what's interesting is the same instruction was given to every kind of person. Those with weak faith, those with strong faith, those who up to this moment had no faith. Young and old were given the instructions, male and female were given the instructions. They were all told the same thing. This is what to do. This is when to do it. Here are the details that you need to have. There weren't a lot of details, but the ones that were given were really important. 
What if someone said, I prefer boiled lamb? The answer is, not tonight. <laughs> what if someone says, I like beef more than lamb? What's the answer? Not tonight. And we could even say, what if someone says, well, I'm a vegan? Not tonight. <laughs> Tomorrow you can be a vegan again. In fact, for 40 years you can have uh, a vegan alternative lifestyle. Um, in order to be rescued, each person had to decide to be faithful. And no one had the luxury of inventing the way they were going to be faithful. You know, in America, worshiping congregations are like radio stations. You can find the one that plays the music you like to hear. If you, if you think, oh, that one's too loud, you go to another one. That's the way Americans are, for better and for worse. But I can tell you this, on that first Passover, there weren't options. There was one way, God's way. He gave a few terms, but he said, these are the details, now is the time, do it this way. And I'm going to do a great and mighty thing. And everyone was given the option of opting out. Interesting, nobody did, right? Not tonight. <laughs> Yeah, there were no secular Jews on that day. There were no Reformed Jews, there were no conservative Jews, there were no Orthodox Jews. There was only one type of Jew that day, a Jew who was trusting God and willing to obey God, who were ready to express their faith by their actions. And this was God's original plan for the Jewish people. Individuals with faith, people who lived by faith, and people who joined together to form a community of faith that became a nation of faith that could then serve the whole world with the good news of Messiah. Individuals of every generation had to join together into a living community with a living faith in the living God. And those two dimensions are equally important, individual faith and community faith. It's not obvious, I think, to the American ear about the value of community faith because it seems to be uh, insignificant. Either you believe yourself or you don't believe. But there's another dimension to it because individual faith is necessary. But it's to be combined with community faith. That's the picture that God has. The Apostle Paul taught this, all Israel will be saved. And all Israel will have an opportunity to turn to God. God's plan is to save the whole world. How many of you believe that? It's true. He said it, not me. I'm just reporting what he said. God so loved half of you that he sent his only son. God so loved the people that look like you when you look at yourself in the mirror. That's why he, no. God so loved the world. I love the scripture that says, the earth is the Lord's 
and the fullness thereof, and all who dwell therein. So God's plan is for people to be faithful as individuals and to be faithful as communities together. Even to be faithful as nations together. What do you think Yeshua was talking about when he said, go and make disciples of all nations? Yes, at the individual level. But there's a prophetic and eschatological uh, aspect to it about where God is headed and what he wants to do. And so we need to get that in our hearts so that we can also work now in that direction. There's another aspect to this, a historical aspect. There were many centuries when something terrible would happen when a Jew came to believe in the Messiah. He was told by his new faith community he's no longer Jewish, number one. And number two, he was told to like prosecute the Jewish people and the faith of the Jews in order to find fault with them. Not to minister love to them, and not to stand together with the Jewish people as a Jew, but to be a former Jew. And that actually, I think, is an error and an offense to God, plus it produces bad fruit in the long run. It doesn't take very long either to produce bad fruit. So now we're living in an era where Jewish people come to Yeshua, they come to faith in Messiah, and we assert we are still Jews. Now, we're not good rabbinic Jews. Okay. But we're good Jews, serving the Lord with faithfulness. But what's required of us, we have to love our nation. We have to serve our nation too. We have to love the Jewish people, love Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, love the people Israel. And that's why as a community, we work together with other Messianic Jews to show this love in very practical ways. And we don't hide who we are. Even though there are times when we're quiet about who we are, we never hide who we are. You know the difference? It's an important difference. when we understand where God is headed, that he actually wants to save the world and the Jewish people, then we can see um, a different way of living and a different way of ministering to people. You see, God loves the Jewish people. We should be real clear about that. God loves the Jewish people, and he considers the Jewish people like firstborns. But he considers all the rest of the nations like children in the same family. So uh, being a firstborn doesn't mean you're the only kid in the family. It means you've got lots of others in your family. So the Jewish people are called to, have, to love our own nation, but we're also called to extend that love to all the nations of the world. And we do that through the new covenant. Now we're not called to ethnocentricity. You know what that means? To think that the world revolves around Jewishness. The world revolves around God. In God we live. 
and breathe and have our being. Do you remember that one time Yeshua said something like, you know, if it's necessary, God can raise stones up to worship him. We're not called to be ethnocentric. We're not called to be ethno-elitist. You know what I mean by that? This idea that the Jewish people are superior. And this is why they're special to God. Because God says otherwise. He said, uh, actually, it's not because you were the best. It's not because of you. It's because of me. That's what he said. In fact, you're stiff-necked. To which we say, no, we aren't. We're not called to be ethnocentric. We're not called to be ethno-elite. We're not called to be self-hating, though. But we're not called to be ethno-smug. That's a new term I want to introduce to you. Ethno-smug. How many of you know what the word smug means? Okay, so add ethno to it. Ethno-smug means, you know, like... Conceited. Yeah, that's a good synonym. Ethno-conceit. We're not called to any of that. At the same time, we are called to love our people. Do you get that? And to love the values that God has transmitted through our people and to love the God of the Jewish people. We're not, we're not stripping away God's identity by saying he's the God of the whole world, but he's not the God of Israel. He's the God of Israel and the God of the whole world. Now, the full redemption of Israel is accomplished through the new covenant. That is the unique affirmation of Messianic Jews. The full redemption of Israel is accomplished through the new covenant. Christian voices have had some agreement with that in some places. And in other places, they've had the thought that the full redemption of the Jewish people requires that the Jewish people stop being Jewish. This isn't correct. The full redemption of Israel is accomplished through the new covenant, which requires the superlative redemptive sacrifice of Yeshua. And this is why Yeshua laid down his life. Regarding redemption, no alternatives, just like at Passover, and no exceptions. Someone's in Egypt says, Mo, I don't like this. What's the answer? No exceptions, not tonight. <laughs> I want to do it another way, Moshe. Mm -mm. No alternatives, not tonight. The mother of a Messianic Jewish rabbi once said to her son, the people in your congregation are so nice. It's just a pity they believe in Yeshua. <laughs> to which he said, Mom, that's why they're nice. <laughs> the 
The new covenant that's promised to the Jewish people is the means by which redemption is to be fully accomplished for the Jewish people and for all people groups. No alternatives, no exceptions. Yeshua is the atoning sacrifice, the sacrifice that takes away our sin and the penalty for our sin. Each one of us has to come to grips with that. Yeshua is the redeemer. He buys us out of slavery. He purchases us and transfers us from the kingdom of Egypt, if you will, the kingdom under Pharaoh, the kingdom under the tyrant, the kingdom under Hasatan, the adversary. And he moves us into the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of Yeshua. And I don't know about you, but I was in the other kingdom. And I'm glad I'm out. And I know what it was like to be in deep. I'm so glad as well that Yeshua has enabled each of us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. I need the Holy Spirit every day. I need the Spirit of God, Haruach HaKodesh, his boldness, his courage, his wisdom, his guidance, every day. I don't wake up some days thinking, you know, I think I could do this alone better. Mm -mm. Yeshua is also the great teacher for us. He teaches us how to live for God, how to live in faith, how to interpret and apply the scriptures to our lives, and how to live together, Jews and Gentiles, with faith and faithfulness together. Now back, back to the first Passover and the blood of the lamb. That's what the Lord was looking for on each house. He was looking for the blood of the lamb. And when he saw it, he stopped the work of the destroyer and the plague of the death of the firstborn. He saw the blood of the lamb and he recognized the faith of those in the houses that were marked with his blood and he defended those families. He didn't allow the destroyer to destroy the families. And this is part of the pattern for redemption. Individual faith, community faith, faith in action with the right sacrifice offered God's ways. Now you can think, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna merit redemption. I'm gonna merit eternal life. Here's how I'm gonna do it. I'm going to do more good things than bad things, and so in the divine scale of justice, my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. Try that on Passover in Egypt. Not tonight. It's not about how good you are. It's about trusting God and his sacrifice on his terms in his ways. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But when we grasp all this, we understand what God was doing through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Yeshua. Now there's one more dimension of redemption that I wanna bring up tonight, and this is, we'll, we'll end on these thoughts. Israel goes out of Egypt, but God leads Israel on a path that traps everyone at the Red Sea. Now, we're all familiar with the story. It's in the Bible. It's very clear. It's very understandable. We teach it to kids. 
We've got songs about it. We, we have all sorts of easy memories about it. But we know how it turned out. They were going through it not knowing how it was going to turn out. And it's quite different. How would you compare it? Think of the worst things that you're going through that you don't know how they're going to turn out and multiply by 10 or 100 or 1,000 or a million. I don't know. But it's a lot worse. And you say, well, how could that be? And I'll tell you why. It's because what Israel went through by being trapped would determine whether Israel would be able to go the next step with God as a nation, as a faithful nation. And each of us as individuals doesn't have the same uh, place in history that that community had at that time. So Israel goes to this roundabout way and ends up trapped. We read about it in Exodus 13, verses 17 and 18. After Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not guide them to the highway that goes through the land of the Plishtim because, he was cl- because it was close by. God thought that the people, upon seeing war, might change their minds and return to Egypt. Rather, God led the people by a roundabout route, Say that with me, roundabout route. Through the desert by the Sea of Suf, or the Sea of Reeds, the people of Israel went up from the land of Egypt fully armed. So they had what they needed, let's say weapon-wise. They didn't have what they needed experientially, and they needed more, and God knew that. Now, no one in their right mind wanted to be in that position. No one wanted to be trapped. I mean, Moses didn't come up with the plan. God came up with the plan and told Moses. Being trapped did not make sense to any of them any more than it would make sense to you today. And you can just test yourself. How many people are in situations where you're feeling trapped right now? You don't see the way out. Yeah. And probably we can safely say, you didn't ask to be trapped. Am I right? You're not waking up every morning saying, Lord, if you would only trap me, I just love it so much. Lord, if you could put me in a, in a place where there's no way out, oh, I need it. I want it. I have not yet met anyone who prays like that. When we are trapped, we pray, help, get me out of here, on a good day. Being trapped did not make sense. In fact, it was terrifying. And the wisdom of every single person argued with the wisdom of God. We could actually say that the fear of each person masqueraded as wisdom. And that fear argued with the wisdom of God. That's in fact what was going on. But from an individual human level, you can understand how being, having no way out and being chased 
by an angry, belligerent, well-trained army. How terrifying that could be. How terrifying, not just for yourself, but for your children, for your wife, for your grandparents, for your elderly loved ones. How terrifying it would be. And how easy it would be just to lean into that fear and then lean towards the other person next to you who has the same fear and say, what is going on here? Now, this is such an important issue. Each one of us has to experience the limits of our wisdom and the superlative nature of God's wisdom. And we will be tempted, maybe you are right now, um, you're facing a situation that doesn't make sense, that you would never choose for yourself. The temptation is to give in to fear, and the fear is meant to cause you to abandon the Lord and the faith you have in God. The temptation is to reject God and your faith in God, and that's what all of Israel faced. Now here's the thing, Israel had just been as a community in an unprecedented way, an entire community of faith. And what immediately followed that was deliverance. And then what followed that was God had a plan, I've gotta make this deliverance even stronger, but it's gonna be hard, here's how we're gonna do it. But it's gonna be hard also because the people aren't ready for something else. Oh, they think they're ready, but they're not. And so the Lord says, we're going to take the slow way, the roundabout way. And when everyone's trapped and Egypt shows up, well, this is what happened. Exodus 14, verse 9 through 14. The Egyptians went after Israel, all the horses, the chariots of Pharaoh, with his Cavalry and army and overtook them as they were encamped by the sea, by Pihachirot, in front of Baal As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they saw the Egyptians right there coming after them. In great fear, the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and then they said to Moses, was it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the desert. Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you when we were in Egypt, just leave us alone? We'll just go on being slaves for the Egyptians. It would be better for us to be the Egyptian slaves than to die in this desert. Moses answered the people, all the people. I don't know how he did it. He said, Sheket Bavakashah. Maybe. Be quiet, please. He said, Stop being so fearful. Remain steady, and you will see how the Lord is going to save you. He will do it today. He will do it today. You can't save yourself. He will do it 
today. Today you've seen the Egyptians, but you'll never see them again. The Lord will do battle for you. Just calm yourselves down. Now, I've never had good luck with that phrase, calm yourself down. But Moses did. But it took one more thing. They had to wait on the Lord and let the Lord do what the Lord said he would do, how the Lord said he would do it, when the Lord said he would do it, and then he did it. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying now? Just get up. Walk. Walk through the water. Walk through, well, there's not water now. Walk through the dry land. And the Lord parted the sea, and the wind blew on the seabed, and it became dry, and then all of Israel crossed over, and that was proof that the wisdom of God is not only superior to human wisdom, it's incomparable. It cannot be compared to human wisdom. In fact, redemption requires that we love God so much with our hearts and with our minds that we recognize that our minds, at their best, are very small compared to God. And that he's the source of wisdom, and he's the source of goodness, and he knows what to do and when to do it and how to do it. When we embrace that, redemption is drawing near for us. And when we reject it, we are trying to save ourselves the same old way. And it never turns for good. Well, Yeshua once said, the seed that's sown on good soil is about the person who hears the word and understands it. And this one bears fruit and produces a crop a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. Hearing and understanding about God's plan for redemption about the way that faith works, hearing it, understanding it, and putting it into practice, this one will be fruitful. My hope for you, for all of you, for all of us, is that we'll be fruitful because we bring pure hearts to God, and we want to hear, we want to understand, and we want to do what God says. Let's pray for that. Lord, we bring our hearts to you, and we ask, Lord, that we would be wholehearted, fully committed to serving you and to following you, to love you with all that we are. Lord, we don't want any side of our hearts, any side of our life to be in constant disobedience or ignorance. We want to serve you with gladness, and we want to have the knowledge of the Holy One of Israel. We want the wisdom of the Holy One of Israel. We want the guidance of the Holy One of Israel that through Messiah Yeshua we could be reconciled to you, not slaves to sin, but slaves to you, the righteous one. Fortify us, strengthen us. Renew our hearts, renew our minds, renew our souls, that we could serve you in this year, 2019, and bring forth great fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, let's close with Aaron's blessing. And if you're all alone, if you don't mind moving just a little bit so that you're not, thank you, Mike, for coming up. Father, 
Vayasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and the Lord guard you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.